Good morning. Hillside. A little bit of chaos in here. A little bit of chaos. I like that you like each other. Now stop talking. Um, it is great to see you, and uh, a big shout-out to Tasha, all the way here from Colorado, visiting her parents. Welcome, Tasha, back to Hillside. Fantastic to have you here. If I seem like I'm in a good mood this morning, it's because after the service, uh, I go on holidays. You know, we're catching a plane this afternoon, so we're not going to go really long today because I'm catching a plane this afternoon. So you guys can be assured that it's not going to go till... 5 p.m., for instance. It's still going to go long, though, because the plane's not for a while. So we're going we're gonna to stretch it out, have a leisurely morning this morning. I, I've been, uh, I got to tell you, I've uh, been really looking forward to today. We've got some special things planned as, as in this back half of the service. Um, and uh, that we prayed. We had a pre-service prayer meeting this morning, and we're doing that every week through the summer at 9.30. Um, and just, I had a sense... Uh, God wants to do some great things in your life and mine. Isn't that great news? Are you ready for that? Buckle up, as they say. Um, I've got a, what we're going to do is I've got a couple of things to share from Scripture. We're going to hear a God story, incredible story from one of our members. Uh, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper today and then offer a time for reconciliation and uh, healing prayer, all good things. Did anybody not get a piece of paper, a little card, and a pencil when they came in today? If you didn't, throw up your hand really high, and Lynn's going to get you one, okay? Hand high, piece of paper, and a pencil. So we got, I see that hand over here, over here, and over here, and over there. I can't, I don't have three hands. Okay, keep your hands up until you've received said paper and pencil. Um, looking forward to all that God's going to do today. First of all, I want to suggest a practice today that we want to propose all of us together doing this summer, trying something that we did quite a number of years ago. Over a summer together, we memorized a passage of Scripture. And uh, this summer, we're going to challenge everybody. We're going to challenge you to actually see if your brain is still capable of memorizing things. And we decided on a really great psalm. We felt like this was a psalm for you uh, and for us as a people that would minister to all of us, Psalm 46. Um, some of you, I think, could share stories of how powerful memorizing Scripture has been in your life. Um, it's been really helpful for me in my journey with Jesus. This last month, um, after not memorizing anything for probably a few years, I wanted to see if I could do it still, and so I memorized Psalm 91, and I'm not going to recite it, but I now know Psalm 91 from heart, and I can't tell you how great it's been for my life and how, how much it has nourished my soul. It's been so good. I thought I was maybe too old for this, but apparently my mind is still working. Um, interesting how often Jesus speaks to me through scriptures that I've memorized in the past. That in times when I've been in trouble in some kind of situation, and God will bring a word to my mind, and it's something that is in there because I put it there. It's, it's a helpful practice. So why memorize scripture? Dallas Willard uh, is a huge advocate of this. He, he teaches a lot about spiritual disciplines, but I like what he says about memorization in 
his book, Renovation of the Heart. He says, the, the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow our minds to dwell upon. We have that power. You could call it the power of the mind. God gives us that. The scripture I mentioned last week from Romans chapter 12 reminds us that, that we change, that we grow, that we're made new by what? The renewing of our minds. And so when we choose to fill our minds with God's word, with God's thoughts, letting the word of God dwell in you richly, we begin to, to be transformed from the inside out. Isn't that great? So Psalm 46, it's just 11 verses. That's like just over 1.2 verses a week, and you'll have it memorized. How do you memorize? Start with one. If you, you don't think 11 verses, start with one verse. So you start at the beginning, verse 1, and you don't add a verse until you've got number one down. And then you keep going through it sequentially, and you just keep adding as you, you get it. Repeat and review, and uh, I thought we'd go over Psalm 46, and Tristan's going to come up, and he's going to read Psalm 46 for us, and uh, we can at least hear the word together this morning. This is the passage we're hoping to memorize this year. Is on. All right. Go for it. Thank you. Here's the first one, guys. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad in the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of dawn. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord our Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought to the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks bow, shatters spear, and burns shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Thanks, Tristan. May God bless the reading of his word. So, uh, guaranteed, if you learn that, it's going to transform your life. Thank you. Uh, Sean, can you just elevate my volumes a bit? I, I don't want to speak too loudly today. I want to save my voice for my vacation. Um, really good, right? I thought so. Okay, so each Sunday we hope to remind you of this and, and encourage you. No pressure. No pressure. Maybe English is your second language, and uh, so you could learn it in your own language uh, if you have means to do that. But I think this could be really good for many of us, and we'd be richer for it. Moving on. Earlier this uh, year, one of our members, Caleb Kim, had a health report that was quite disturbing. And Caleb is going to come now. Where there, Come on up, Caleb. And he's going to share what happened. Let's give him a warm welcome today. Let's go. Hello, Hillside. My name is Caleb Kim. I think uh, there is no person in life who does not meet dangerous storm in life. Today, 
I would like to share about how I overcame two great storms in my life with the grace of God. In June 2010, after nine years of living in Canada, my wife and I received a deportation letter telling us that we must leave Canada immediately. Look at this picture. Uh, not that this one. <laughs> or cancel. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I was working with a work permit at the time. Uh, and I applied for an extension of uh, three months before the visa expired. Uh, but after six months, the immigration department told me to wait uh, because my uh, case was still in process. And suddenly, a letter of deportation came to us. Uh, it was a very difficult, uh, difficult time, and we shed many tears. Uh, one and a half years later, after fighting it, uh, we finally got the PR card. After we appealed to the federal courts, and the judges said that the immigration officer took 100% force in my case. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's a God's work, right? Yeah. Uh, there's more uh, to this uh, story, but I don't have enough time to say it. Uh, you can ask for more uh, detail afterward if you want. Okay. And uh, you know that uh, three days after the start of uh, 2022, I was informed uh, by the doctor of CT scan, finding that I, I had a brain tumor. Um, certainly, uh, tears covered my eyes. My emotions were everywhere, like from being uh, sad to being happy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, then. I prayed and calmed down. Doctors say that uh, an MRI scan in Canada can take up to three months. So I quickly flew to South Korea and got an uh, MRI scan taken there. But the surprising things was that uh, nothing was found on uh, MRI. Yeah, it's God's miracle, isn't it? Yeah. Praise to God. Dear Hillside, uh, knowing that I had the support of the church with me, I was able to get uh, through uh, both of these hard times. It was an intercession prayer and love Field, uh, interest of so many members of the church that held my wife and I together. 
I didn't know that. So many member prayer together, uh, but uh, thanks to the loving hands that God gave out uh, during difficult times. I know uh, God must protect his children. And he has able to hold on to faith and and eventually, uh, we saw God's grace and miracle that he performed. Now, uh, as I close my testimony, I would like to share one more thing. If any of you are going through time of hardship and tears, remember, God will make a way in the desert. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. Just trust God. Also, please pray for each other. I believe that God's work can only be seen through prayers. Thank you again so much to our uh, Hillside family for praying together during our family's difficult time. God bless you all the time. Amen. Bring it in here, buddy. Kayla, love you, buddy. Bless you. That was worth the price of admission right there, wasn't it? Guys, wasn't that good? That's a kind of taste of the kind of breakthrough we pray for here at Hillside. We, we want to see uh, people experience God. We want to see people overcome difficulty. We want to see people healed of things that, are, that by world standards are unhealable. Amen? There's no such word as unhealable, just in case anybody's checking. But does God heal? Yes, he does. Certainly not always right away, but uh, we want to be a kind of people who keep on asking Jesus and seeking him. And so uh, during our communion time today, our elders and our prayer team are going to be available, and you may have a need in your life, and uh, we have sensed that it would be just really good as, as we have this kind of extended time of communion in a few minutes. They're going to be standing at the back. And uh, either before you go for communion or after, you are welcome to go and, and receive prayer. And that would be a very, very good thing. So I want to encourage you that whether you have uh, a need or some kind of physical issue, we're going to be there for you. Before and in preparation for sharing in communion and remembering Christ's death on our behalf, I want to talk about a theme we find in uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 to 21. If you have a Bible, you, it, it will be helpful for you to follow along. We will show it on the screen. But uh, we begin at uh, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. If you want to know where that is, it, it, it follows exactly 1 Corinthians in the Bible, just in case you didn't know. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 11 to 21. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. 
For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, and therefore, uh, and he died for all, that those who, who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you want another passage to memorize, that you could add this one to your list. It's just, I, I think it's just such a good text. Um, great passage. Paul, Paul has some great play on words in this text. I, I love his line, if we're out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. And, and here he's talking about his posture towards God uh, and his posture towards people. To some who'd observe Paul's deep faith in the unseen God, he looks a little bit out of his mind. You know, his radical trust in Jesus does look a little crazy. And some of you have experienced this, people thinking you're a little weird or wild or off the wall because of your faith in Jesus. But then Paul says, if we're in our right mind, it's for you. And here's the thing, a crazy faith in Jesus, a trust in God in Jesus can lead to boldly sane love for other people. When someone loves with the love they've discovered in God, it just looks right, it feels right, it's radical, but it's beautiful. Amen? And then he says why we do it, why we'd love like that. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now, a lot of theology in those two short verses, but what he's saying is our faith rests on the fact that one guy, one person died for the rest of us died for, for all of us. And in that death, in some crazy, mysterious way, we all died this vicarious death ourselves. Death to our sin. Death to our shame. Death to, imagine this, every mistake you've ever made, gone, buried. Death to that core brokenness that you were born with, that core selfishness that you grew up with, gone. It's it's actually no longer relevant anymore because it's been buried. It has no more say. The old is gone, Paul would say. But now we live. But we live in a new way. We live not for ourselves. We now live for the one who died for us and was raised again. That's the Christian life in a nutshell, folks. You know, that's it. The old is gone. 
New has come. We're dead to our sin. And now we live for the one. Now, in case we don't uh, really get how good this is, Paul explains. He's like a good pastor. He explains until the people get it. He, Paul's a bit of an over-explainer, in my opinion, but whatever. Verse 18, he says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Did you catch the big word in those two verses? Reconcile. Four times he uses the word reconcile. He talks about how God reconciled himself to us through Christ. In, in doing so, he's no longer counting people's sins against them. It's a great thing. Now, many of you would know that reconcile is a relational word. To reconcile with someone has this idea of making things right between two parties with whom something has gotten broken. You've experienced this, a broken relationship. It's a tragic thing, or a relationship where it's gotten strained. This word reconciliation still gets used a lot in our day, like, like when talking about Canada's indigenous people and, and the effort to make things right among our peoples because there have been significant wrongdoings. We knew this before, we knew about this, I should say, before countless unmarked graves were discovered at residential schools. And so we now have a day in September called the Day of Truth and Reconciliation. And it reminds us that, that we've had a broken relationship and there's a need for, for healing and for things to be made right. In, in Paul talking about reconciliation, he's saying that a big piece of what Jesus did on the cross is making possible a reconciled relationship with God. Because there was an offense. There was rebellion. Frankly, people treated God poorly. The God, the God who created them with vision and purpose and affection and love. The God who made sense of their lives. They said to God, you don't matter. They said, we'll live as if you do not even exist. Or this, right out of the garden. Or we think we can do better than you. Think how offensive that would be to creator God. And aside, um, we're living in what has been called cancel culture, right? You can throw that picture up now. This is the right time for it. Not, we didn't want to cancel Caleb, but, you know, we could have. But some, somebody offends. Somebody does something wrong or dumb, does something that's deemed as wrong. Somebody says something, the, the wrong thing. What does the world do in those moments? They cancel. They, they actually... They cut them off. They turn the channel. They say, I'm never going to watch that. Really, what they're doing, they break off the relationship, right? As I was thinking about this, I had actor Will Smith come to mind. And, and that whole fiasco of what happened at the Oscars this year. You know, remember that? My, our family, we were watching the Oscars in that, in, in that few minutes when this happened. And we were shocked and appalled at... Will Smith's reaction to a comedian's words 
And his reaction was physical violence and harsh words, harsher words himself. And it didn't take long uh, for the response of the world against Will Smith. Endorsements, movies, planned movie releases were postponed or, or canceled. Our, our family had pl- planned the next weekend to watch Will Smith in his winning role, King Richard, and, and we couldn't stomach it. I guess in our own way, we canceled Will Smith too. Here's the amazing thing about God. It's what the whole gospel tells us in Jesus. We're shown a God who will never cancel us. Isn't that great news? The gospel is not about some other kind of cancel culture where if you screw up, God cancels you. You screw up in in God's world, and he looks for a way to free you and redeem you, rescue you. That that may be the world's way of canceling, but it's not God. God says, I'm going to find a way. God says, in and through Jesus, I'm no longer going to hold on to my offense. I'm setting it aside. God says, I want to make things right. Why? So that we can have a, a relationship, a reconciled relationship together. Reconciled so that we can experience unhindered Joy with God uh, who loves us, who wants to be our Father, our Abba, the God who wants to know us and be known by us. Folks, reconciled is just the craziest, best word ever, don't you think? When we celebrate communion, this is what we celebrate. God making us right with God. God, you know, parking our sin, setting it aside. He does this in Jesus, and at the very cost of his life, And so why would we not respond with love and gratitude and worship? No wonder Paul was out of his mind towards God, right? When you're forgiven like that, when you're set right, when you've been undeservedly reconciled with God, it changes everything. But Paul doesn't stop there. He actually says something pretty amazing about us, that God has committed to us the message and the ministry of reconciliation. Two things. First, the the message. This this means when possible, we become messengers of the good news. Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What this means is, is through our lives and our words and our deeds, it's show and tell time, baby. It's show the world what a great God we have. Where, where possible, we show them through acts of kindness and love and care and compassion. At times it'll be through words. It might even be through an invitation to church. Imagine that. Say, come and, come and see this Jesus I've met and has changed my life. So the message of reconciliation. And then second, there's this ministry of reconciliation. And this is our our partnering with God to rehabilitate relationship. What does that look like? Well, quite personally, it means that when someone wrongs us or when someone hurts us, when someone offends us, we seek to follow the often painful journey of forgiving and letting go and where possible seeking to reconcile and restore the relationship. You know, when when someone comes through the other side of this reconciliation journey, this forgiveness journey, it is powerful. 
What might it look like? It might look like refusing to join in our culture's mad rush to cancel people who make mistakes or mess up or organizations who let us down or do something wrong. It might instead look like offering mercy or empathy or understanding. But it also means that when we wrong someone, which we will do, when we become aware of hurt that we've caused for others, we then do what we can do to make things right, to humble ourselves, to adopt a contrite spirit, to apologize. If there are amends to be made, we seek to do that. This is all part of the healing ministry of reconciliation. It can look a lot like calling up somebody and arranging for a hard conversation. It can mean making um, an effort to reach out to someone who you know you've hurt or been hurt by, maybe sending a note. Now, we could talk about reconciliation for a long, long time. It's, it's really something to unpack, but we want to have an opportunity this morning as part of our communion to perhaps take steps in reconciling a relationship. Since Jesus, what he did on the cross is, is all reconciliation, I, I think that this becomes a great space for us to seek reconciliation with others, to take the, the grace we've been shown and show it to others, out of the forgiveness that we have received, offering forgiveness to others, with the security of God's love in Jesus anchoring our lives, we can own up to our brokenness, the ways we've hurt others, for how we've wronged them. Some of you this morning, it probably doesn't take much reflection to think of somebody you might need to forgive. It could be somebody who's offended you or hurt you in some way, said something hurtful, said something harmful. Frankly, this could be from a long time ago. Or it could be real recent. It could be someone you know really well, somebody you live with. Or it could be more like a stranger. It could be any kind of person. It could also be on this Canada Day weekend, it could be someone in our provincial or federal government. They made a decision that impacted you or hurt you or you were affected by. Friends, I sense that there is an invitation from Jesus this morning to not just be a beneficiary of God's reconciliation for you but to participate in this ministry by choosing to forgive, by letting somebody off the hook. Here's the thing, as, as you, through the power of Jesus, overlook an offense, an offer of forgiveness that is undeserved, the, the power of that hurt in our lives is lessened. It actually opens us up to, to healing, to being freed from it. Some of you have been carrying, I suspect, a grudge, or a burden of unforgiveness for far too long, and it maybe is even crippling you. The burden's been way too heavy and costly. And God could release you from that today, and you can just do that. Avail yourself of that. Honestly, though, the shoe might be on the other foot. Maybe you've offended or hurt someone. Maybe even in your grudge holding, you've gone from being the wounded to the wounder. It happens. 
That's, that's the way of the world, folks. That's just it, retaliation. And our retaliation is greater than the offense, usually. And the task for you is to actually humble yourself and, and to bring that to Jesus. And then if possible, if it's safe to do so, you reach out to that person. There's something powerful when we confess our brokenness. James said, confess your sin and you'll be healed. And so we own up. We, we seek to make things right. God can do then an amazing healing work. And frankly, friends, this has been a really tough couple of years for all of us. There's been a lot of cause for relationships to be strained or even broken. Even within this congregation and in this fellowship. People have done things or said things that have hurt you. Um, I would suggest the church has been especially messy this last couple of years, wouldn't you say? Fact is, along the way, you may have felt, even from a leadership perspective, you've felt uncared for or hurt by me or by one of our leaders or pastors, by something that we did or something that we did not do, by something that we said or did not say. If that's the case, on behalf of our leadership, I want to say we're sorry about that. And I, I don't want to minimize your hurt in any way, but I would ask for your grace, and I'd ask that you'd forgive us. It's truly our heart, most sincerely, to align ourselves with Jesus and his ways, but we don't always get that right. We don't always measure up to the Jesus standard. wherever you're at today. Maybe you're just grateful for how Christ has reconciled you and you can't think of one relationship that needs restoring. Hallelujah. Praise God. Enjoy that precious place for this week. God's probably going to test you in that at some point. You know, probably. Wherever you're at, we've given you a piece of paper and a pencil. When you grab that now. And if you'd like, this is the time where you could actually write something on that paper. Something, what, what might you write? If God brings to your mind someone you need to forgive, write their name down if you're willing. If there's somebody that's hurt you either a long time ago, maybe you start writing and just keep on writing because there's a long list. But maybe you know there's just that one person that you need to forgive. Um has offended you. Or maybe you could write on that paper someone that you know you've hurt and uh, you know that there's a need for you to reconcile that relationship, make things right. And then as we share in communion, we'll invite you up. And if you would like, and I'd actually encourage you to do this so that no one feels like I'm the only one who has a broken relationship out there, but I encourage all of you to write something on that paper. And it could be just simply, if you don't really can't think of anything else, Jesus, you're good, thank you, something like that, right? You can put whatever. Um, but we're going to put it in this basket. You can drop it in this basket uh, on your way to communion. And I'm going to tell you, no one's going to see these. These are never going to see the light of day. We're going to burn them after. We thought about burning them in the service, and then we thought we'd be breaking all kinds of fire code regulations. 
So that's probably a good idea that we haven't done that, but they will not see the light of day. We thought about having a shredder up here at the front, but you know, th th that was maybe not the best idea either. Drop it in the waste basket. But we'll do it as a symbol of bringing whatever relationship that God might be calling you to reconcile. And this is your first step in that. Just laying it, laying it down before the cross. Laying it down knowing that you've received grace and now you can, you can actually offer grace or that you'd receive grace for what you've done or how you've hurt. And while you're doing that, our elders team and our prayer team, they're going to go, and they're going to go right now. You guys can feel free to make your way there. They're going to be at the back for prayer. And, and you, if you have a need, you'd like prayer, prayer for, we believe, as I said, God can heal, and, and whether it be a physical need, but I sense this morning God also wants to, to, to heal us of some emotional needs. Um, maybe you want to go and actually confess a sin. Like actually confess a grudge you've held. It's just sometimes helpful to articulate that to somebody and to receive prayer for that. I want to encourage you to consider going and, and receiving prayer for that today. We're going to do that. Um, we're breaking kind of from our regular pattern where I tell you when to come forward for communion. This morning, and I don't know who our servers are, but if they'd come forward now and get ready to, to serve us, that'd be fantastic. Um, I, I don't know... Uh, when you want to come, but we're going to have an extended time, and we're not in a hurry today, so we're literally going to sing some and have some music playing, but when you're ready to come, come on up. If you have a piece of paper, place it in the basket, and then go and receive the elements which represent Christ's body and blood for us. So why don't we just pause and pray for a moment and commit this time. Jesus uh, even as we've envisioned this as elders and leaders, we've sensed that you want to do a healing work in our church. And I pray you'd meet us in this great place of your body broken and given for us, this place of extravagant grace and forgiveness, a place, God, where we know our sins have been cast aside by, by God. Uh, <laughs> the offense we've caused has been dealt with. We've been reconciled to God through Christ. And uh, I pray we might revel in that and enjoy that wonderful privileged place. And out of that, God, out of this being reconciled, help us. If there's somebody we need to let a, a grudge go of or, or that we've been not forgiving to, I pray you'd give us courage to do that today. Lord, I, I pray you'd hear our prayers. Minister to us in these moments, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God, prayer back there, basket up here, all kinds of multitasking going on, you praying, reflecting, just allow God to speak and come up when you're ready. Let's worship.